Vegas Fever podcast. Um, just Jason here. Paula is still a little under the weather. Uh, she wanted to be here. She can hear. Uh, it's just uh, a little under the weather, but here we are. Me and Tony Cordasco uh, talking a little bit of Vegas sports. Um, Tony's a Vegas legend uh, and uh, really don't have to say no more when it comes to to UNLV and, you know, Vegas Golden Knights and a lot of stuff he's done over the years, Vegas sports. Um, Tony, thank you so much for coming on. Jason, it's a pleasure. It's great to be with you. And I just enjoy sports here and I love the city and just everything that comes with it. And, uh, you know, I've been around UNLV athletics now uh, since I graduated. So let's see here. No, even in college over 40. Now it's 44 years. Holy smokes. Time just flies. Wow. You've seen them uh, in the highest of highs and the lowest of lows. Um, I guess that's a real good place to start off now that we're kind of talking about it. Um, it, it, This kind of feels to me with UNLV dropping, what was it, six of eight or seven of nine. Um, They've dropped a handful of games in a row uh, over the course of time. After starting off so good, it makes me wonder, was that schedule a little too easy and it wasn't able to prepare them for conference play? Was it uh, Eli Parquet? What was what is the factor that's uh, that's gone on with UNLV that's kind of made them hit the uh, hit the speed bump that they have? I think, you know, one of the things that happened, yeah, it was a light schedule and it felt, I think, the right way for UNLV initially. But, you know, this conference we thought would be really difficult and UNLV not able to win these close games has just really frustrated the heck out of a lot of fans and uh, the players, the team. We saw, you know, where uh, the frustrations of EJ Harkless, you know, kind of spilled over when he, he has had a roller coaster ride. He's up and down and 18 points and 12 and no points and two. And my goodness, it's just been a roller coaster ride all the way around. But, you know, the one thing that I think has, you know, when you look at some of the issues that they've had, defensively they've had to retool everything because you can't go switching everything all the time uh i i just like you know I, i'd like to see them be more of an attacking offense i hate the weave i always say that mm. <laughs> because they just run around in circles and then there's suddenly five seconds left on the shot clock and you're not looking at the basket you're going right. away from the basket uh, some of the other things that i would like to see I'd like to see David Mwaka down the low block. I know that the fans have criticized him an awful lot, but what can he do when he's up top setting high screens? And if he rolls, nobody finds him like underneath the basket. There's so many issues and little things that you could uh, point to. But I think one of the biggest issues that they've had is that they've played hero ball early in the season. They were sharing the basketball. And now as soon as it goes to one player who has a shot, they just take it. And there's no rebounding either. And sometimes I think it's really hurt UNLV to go small. I I think they should go with a a larger lineup. I think they should use Mawaka and Jones in the game sometimes. We never see him. Um, I think, you know, Victor Waku should be, um, again, a guy that you can pair up maybe uh, to play more physical. They're losing games because they are losing the physical battles too. So I think there's a lot of things to point to. But defensively we saw them play so well early in the season and suddenly they lost that spark a lot of their offense came out of their defense right they'd create a turnover and they'd finish down the other end and we're not seeing much of that 
and it's a lot of hero ball. I don't think there's great chemistry right now. A lot of things are going wrong, a lot of frustration. And Elijah Parquet, I mean, people were saying, you know, hey, once Parquet gets back, they'll be much better. Well, he was a complimentary piece to begin with. He wasn't like a star on his team. He was someone who played really good defense, wasn't a great scorer, right? And he just had a role to play. But it was a big role that fit in early in the season. And now they just have to kind of acclimate to him. And there's just so many different things. But I never expected them to go into a tailspin like this. And it all began. It all began in conference season with the loss to San Jose State in a game they never should have lost. Right. right? Yeah, you that's absolutely Luis going. Right. Luis goes scoreless in the first half. EJ goes scoreless. Then you're playing catch up the entire game. So I couldn't understand from the get go. They need to be more inspired, too. They need to be more inspired defensively. And again, turnovers will lead to good offense. Absolutely. I knew that when Parquet went down against Washington State, I said to myself, uh-oh. And I said to myself, uh-oh, because he's our best defender. Not a good scorer, but like you said, a complimentary piece. And they haven't been the same since. They lose a game to San Francisco right then after that. And a game that they gave away, similar to kind of how they gave the game away against Colorado State, I've been telling folks that that San Francisco loss was a bad loss because of San Francisco's net ranking and Ken Palm is, is hovering between like 115 and 120. I mean, that's a, I mean, that's a, you know, your quad three, quad four. I mean, you know, you're getting into this, these bad losses and they lose against San Jose State in a game that they needed a, a huge run to get back into the game just to get it to overtime, just to not be able to finish San Diego state. We saw coming. I don't know where the New Mexico win came from. It's their only conference, you know, conference win on the road. Um, the Colorado state game, they gave away Utah state was competitive. Um, my fear is, is that, this is not the athletic director that brought Kevin Kruger in. Um, how long is the leash with Kevin Kruger and this new athletic director at UNLV who, you know, who has spoken well of in the community, but he's already made a change in the football program. So, you know, what do you think is Kevin Kruger's life if it keeps, you know, lifespan at UNLV if it keeps going this way? Well, they need to write the ship this season and then one more year, obviously they'll give them three and you're absolutely correct. And, you know, Eric Harper has visions of moving this athletic program to a P5 status. And so everyone has to win pretty much across the board. There's a sense of urgency that you could feel. Now, one of the biggest losses from last season, the coaching staff, they had phenomenal, phenomenal chemistry on the sidelines last year. And you lose three coaches to power five programs. And right now, I'm not quite sure what this coaching staff and the relationship with Kevin Kruger is. To me, that's where you can maybe start because I felt as though last year you had maybe more experience. I think all told, those co that coaching staff, you have Tim Buckley, right? If Coach Hartman there on the sidelines, I mean, Brandon Chappelle went mm -hmm. to Texas. I mean, you look at that coaching staff and they had a wealth of experience. There's no way, there's no way that UNLV should not have fouled 
late in the game, up three against Colorado State, where Stevens gets a look at a three. Yes, he made a miraculous shot. Yes, he banks it in. But mm. there's no way that that shot ever should have gotten off. He should have been hacked way outside and, you know, give up the two points or one. And then they try to clank the free throw. I like your chances a lot more if you do that. I can't understand. But, you know, Kevin, you still have to understand he's only in his second year as a head coach. Okay. But that leash is getting tighter. Mm -hmm. And I think he's starting to feel a little bit of the pressure. He went back before the Wyoming game and they retooled the defense and not going to play as much of a switching uh, game, which I never liked defensively anyway. And pack in a zone once in a while. Switch it up. You don't have to always play man for man. This, I got a lot of questions about it. But again, I, I like Kevin. I like him a lot. And obviously, Lon, utmost respect. I see him all the time. But yeah, where, the way that things are going in college athletics uh, and here at UNLV, it's a win now mentality. And he's on the clock, I think, this season, the remainder of this season and next year. Uh, that's how they're going to start to evaluate him. And I think he has the personnel. I think he has the players. I'd like to see him use the bench a little bit more. Jackie Johnson, where, but what happened to that guy? You know, he could drain threes in the preseason from everywhere. I watch him at practice. He's hitting threes. He's streaky. He's lost his confidence. They have players on the bench that can contribute. It's just about how they're going to fit those pieces in. And again, share the ball. They need to share the basketball. Right. For sure. I mean, and Keshawn Hall just, you know, Keshawn Hall just gets into the, in, into the ball game the last few handful of games. Um, I'm going to call this gentleman the transfer from Arizona because we hardly ever see this guy, you know, come onto the Deal. floor. Um, yeah. Heaven doesn't really use his bench like, um, you know, like, like coaches before him, like, like Lon, you know, I compare, I compare him to Lon a lot and he's his own man. And, and, and it's really, really great to have Lon in the building and the facilities near the program, which is really, really fantastic. I thought the hire at the time, I, I was kind of weirded out by the hire because I wasn't sure a month or two later, I felt better about the hire after it was done. Um, I like Kevin. I want, uh, you know, it, it's kind of like, if you look back at it, you know, Coach K's first two years at Duke, and I'm not comparing the two, the, his first two years were horrible. In, in fact, he was almost fired, and, and but he wasn't. And then 40 years later, you see what you have. So patience is, is great to have. The water, you know, the grass is green where you water it. Um, I, I just, I, I'm not thinking that there's going to be a change, but we know how these athletic directors are when it comes to their guys and um, not hiring them. And they kind of want to do a little bit of that, maybe, you know, kind of put their mark on things. Um, I want it's to a touch play on right now. It, it is playoff season, right? You get yes. that sense. Oh, oh it's yes. Every game now is an important game as they try to battle back into some sort of respectability. Never thought that they would be in the basement. I thought no. at times they overachieved preseason, right, Jason? Yeah. But right definitely. now, when you take a look at them now, I didn't expect them to, to go south like this. And you know, I mean, I the Dayton think, win was good. You know, the Dayton win yeah. was good. Well, they were minus their point guard. Okay. You know, True. like a few True. all things considered. And now then they started to play much better. UNLV has the personnel. I thought that they would be pressing a lot more full yeah. court pressure. You have 10 deep on that bench. I would use each and every one of them. 
And you talk about how coaches start out and whatever. I recall back in 1982, I go way back, of course. So in 1982, coach Jerry Tarkanian went 16 and 12 and they wanted to fire him here. Think about that. They wanted to fire him for going 16 and 12. And they were like, he's underachieving. He can't coach this, that, and the other. And then look, you stick it out. And then look at what became of this program. Right. So yeah, you do have to kind of try, but they're not patient anymore. No. Athletic directors are not patient. And yes, to your point, you made a great point. This is not Eric Harper's guy per se. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, the fans and, you know, the way that things are nowadays with, you know, social media and the way it's just out of control and gut, gut, you know, um, first gut reactions and knee jerk reactions and just want to fire the guy and, and get on to the next. Um, you know, Tark over the those couple of years before he had, you know, before that 83 team that, you know, that ran into North Carolina State. He had some things taken away from him by the NCAA. There was a couple of dark mm-hmm. years there. And what Jerry was able to do was he was able to hang on, hang around, hang on, stick with it. And he was able to build that team uh, that eventually became the 87 Final Four team. And then the 90 team and the 91 team. And it, it, it is funny because if you, I've said this so many times on our show, if you just give the man the reins, give him the tools and let him build and just leave him alone. And I think it'll be fine. This is not ideal, but for UNLV, 10 years of this is kind of where we're at. You know what I mean? This kind of feels a little bit like the Marvin Menzi years right now. It kind of feels like uh, the Billy Baino early years. It, you know what I mean? It's, it's, it's different, mm-hmm. but it, it kind of feels like the, you know, the Charlie Spoonhour first year. Um, it, it, it's, it's tough, but I feel like, um, with, with a little bit of patience, you know, UNLV can be UNLV again. Um, it, it's not, it's not ideal. It's not great to see the Thomas and Mac so empty. Um, especially on a night where they, on an afternoon where they honor Dick Calvert, which I don't know how UNLV athletics can quite be the same, sound the same, feel the same without him um what has what has the thompson mac felt like um without mr calvert there i mean it's different but it's a it's a change that i think needed to happen right a certain point of time um he's lost a little bit you know of his uh, a step if you will and i think you know they made the right choices it was a mutual agreement and it's time to step down and hand it over to someone else and it's good. You know, uh, the new PA announcer is doing an, a good job, you know, like he's not flamboyant or anything else. And you shouldn't be the, as a PA announcer, you shouldn't be front and center. Like your voice should not overpower, you know, something. And you just kind of struck a nerve here because again, being around here in the nineties and with all those powerhouse teams and just every time we've had great teams, we never had like the dog and pony show. All right, everyone on your feet. No, the fans mm. just stood up. The right. fans just did that. Right. You know, I'm not going to be the get off your lawn guy right now, yeah. but I don't want to be told when I go to a game, let's make some noise. If the yeah. fans are feeling the game, if they're into the game, then they're going to do it organically. I just like, you know, that's not excitement. If a DJ is playing music 
10 octaves higher than it should be. And there's not a lot of fans in there. That's not exciting. That's not excitement. That's yeah. contrived excitement, right? And then yeah. the other thing too, it's always been, I just wish, I wish that they would put more money into marketing at UNLV into marketing these programs. Now, last year, middle of the season, no students showing up. And Kevin Kruger in the middle of the season, your head coach in the middle of the season is coming up and orchestrating promotions to try to get more fans into the stands. That shouldn't happen. No. The athletic department has to be better. They have to promote this. This is not, this is not like the only game in town like it used to be, right? Uh, yeah, and it's not exactly. where like people are just going to show up and know when game nights are. I'll talk to France today and they'll go, there was a game last night. Yeah. I'm like, you didn't know about it. No, no clue. The whole town used to rally around. You have to get, there's a niche here to be found for UNLV in the midst of all the pro sports and all the other sporting events going on. They have to find that niche. They really do. And they have to be able to get more crowds in there. The, the team deserves it. The team deserves better to have bigger crowds there. And there's upstairs who know get do the $5. I don't know if they're doing them $5 tickets for upstairs. The working stiff could go, right? That's I miss that. Do. I miss that. That was something that was a staple when Lon was here. And before that, when you had Spoon Hour yeah. and we had Bano, I remember right. as a kid being able to get into the balcony for five, five dollars, five bucks. You They're going to give a, away two dollar beers. Do the right. five dollar seats. Yeah, exactly. And you bring a stuffed animal. You get a free ticket to the upstairs for the toy drive. You bring a canned good for the canned food drive. Right. You get a free ticket right. for upstairs. Kevin Where is got that? that? Where's that promotion? I know. I well, where that. is that? Where is a lot of that promotion? And I, I feel bad for Kevin because Kevin and the program deserve better. Yeah. And again, like you need to put butts in the seats. You need to create that excitement and they need to make money. That's the bottom line. Same thing with football. Football is another thing where you can't average 19,000 fans and be successful every year when your rent is over $300,000 a game at Allegiant Stadium. I know it. Market it. Start marketing it. I think they will now moving forward because Eric Harper has his guy, right, as the head coach. Right. I think they're going to start to do that with football. But basketball, you really need to take a look at that. And see, I, I get emails the day of the game. That's the marketing. I, at times, and like, now I know what fans are talking about when they tell me that they don't know when the games are. An email. I don't know. Yeah, I mean, UNLV is, is in a struggle because they have gotten lost um, in the shuffle when it comes to the Golden Knights first and then the Raiders second. And then, you know, uh, uh, you know, busting from the backside is coming, you know, the is baseball and NBA. I mean, that's in the next and few special years. events. There's so much, yeah, right? Definitely. I mean, you know, F1 and the NASCAR races and everything that's going on. I mean, the aces, the aces have been fantastic. And, you know, Lady Rebel basketball, even though they don't get anybody, is a way better, a way better program, a way better team than the men are. So, you know, and then football with a big stadium, you know, even though you're not even getting 20,000 people, UNLV basketball gets gets lost because of that exact fact that you're talking about. They don't market well and they used to, and they don't. And there was always this thing when Desiree Reed Francois was here about, you know, we're in the red, we need to be in the black. And they finally get there or are moving in that direction and they don't market. 
And, and so you're never going to get anywhere. You're just going to be stuck. I don't know if it would. I mean, when this team was 10 and 0, people weren't going. You know what right. I mean? Exactly. Exactly. I mean, I mean, are they 20 and 0? Do you go? I mean, are they, are they ranked top 10? Do you go? What do you got to do? I'm almost thinking like just give away free tickets and make the money off the concessions and what sales you can make just to show people that it's a great environment. The Thomas and Mac is a great building. I grew up there. It's an amazing it's an amazing facility. It's a 40-year-old building. But there's something about it when it's full. There's nothing mm -hmm. like it. Like no. T-Mobile, I'm sure, is amazing, but there's nothing like the Thomas and Mack Center when it's 18-5. No. And, right. and you've got the chop and the rebels. There's nothing like it. Uh -huh. Nothing. Yeah, I know. I know. I, I couldn't agree with you more because I started going to games at the old convention center uh, back in the day, which was intimate and fun and crazy and raucous. And then we grew into the Thomas and Mack, but it was always full. Right. And it was just amazing. And I just have been so fortunate where I was broadcasting games and doing pregame, halftime, postgame, everything else, interviews with Coach Tarkanian. I just was blessed, right, to be in that position. But I still bought like season tickets upstairs because I would give them to friends or, you know, at times I would go up there at halftime if I had a minute or some portion of the game, pregame, go talk to my friends and everyone was up there. And it was a community happening, but I don't sense that community right now. And that's what they need to get back to. Just a sense of community, community, sense of pride. Another thing that Coach Tark really was cognizant of, right? If you really kind of look again outside of basketball, he was cognizant of the working class stiff in this city. He really was because it was Coach Tarkanian who said, okay, you know, what time should we play these games? And you know, they started them, what, 730, I think, back in the day. And he wanted to make sure that those games were televised. I don't know if you remember this. Channel 5 used to do rebroadcast of the games at 11 or at midnight. I think it was midnight. So wow. that people that got off, he knew that it was a three. He was very smart in knowing the importance of this being a three-shift town. Right. right. He knew more than just basketball. He knew the fan base. And they appeal to the fan base and they rebroadcast games at midnight. So the guy that just got off of work, you know, who worked that swing shift could go and watch the games in a local bar. Right. I was on TV. I'd be doing a game and then we'd go have a beer afterwards and the game would be on. And they're and like, you hey, see you yourself. Just did the game. <laughs> well, it was kind of funny. I don't want to hear myself. Right. Um, right. Face for radio, though, too. Face for radio. But yeah, True. but you know, like there was a thought process there in marketing this team and this program. It really was cool. It really was cool, though, the way that, you know, it was just more than basketball and getting this community back involved. I think it would be a major step to, to do that. It really would. And the team, you know, we've been through thick and thin, but fans were still showing up. Right. Uh, we've had definitely. some rough patches, but fans used to show up even with Coach Rice. Yeah. The fans were still coming to games. And then yeah. we kind of lost everything. And now you need to get it back. And I don't know if it'll ever come back. I start to worry about that. I'm, I'm really concerned. Uh, and is it winning? Yeah, they were 10 and 0, and the crowds are starting to inch up and get a little bit better. But you still have to market it, group sales, everything. All those little pieces are so important in, in getting this program back on track outside of the product you put on the court.
Yeah, no, I mean, I didn't know that about the replays um, during, you know, at, at midnight and after for everybody to be able to see UNLV basketball in those dark days. Um, that's pretty awesome. Uh, that makes a ton of sense. Um, stuff like that, you know, gets kind of lost. But that's what makes that's what makes you Tony uh, you Tony Cordasco a Vegas legend. For <laughs> I enjoy these stories. I enjoy you coming on. I'm very very glad you did. I wanted to shift to the Golden Knights um, before I do that. I wanted to uh, let everybody know that this episode of our show, as always, is brought to you by Inside the Rink uh, at Inside underscore the underscore rank on Twitter, inside the rank.com uh, podcasts, articles, um, one-stop shop for all your hockey needs. So be sure and go there inside the rank.com uh, wanted to get to the golden Knights. Um, the other thing that Tony does really, really well is talk about the golden Knights. He talks about them every day uh, on the locked on VGK podcast uh, at locked on VGK on Twitter. Um, you know, I can't really start. I, I have to do this. Uh, Robin Leonard, I have to do it. Okay. So I don't know if I want to talk about the snakes. Okay. What, what I really, <laughs> what I really want to know from you, from your perspective is when Robin Leonard is healthy, this distraction, prior play from last year, is Robin Leonard a golden knight? next year i don't believe so i really think his, his days are over with bgk i just feel that well for a variety of reasons number one coming back from two hip surgeries who knows you know if he's going to be able to withstand that shoulder surgery he's had every sort of uh, of injury there for the vgk the other thing is i think bill foley alluded to this at the start of the season he said when foley said he was going to get more involved he said, you know, we don't have the distractions, the goalie distractions from last year. Robin Leonard, everyone knows, and we do understand, and I think we want to be on his side when it comes to uh, mental health and all of that. And we understand that. We do. Um, outside of that, though, there's a, just a different side of Leonard where even if it wasn't intentional, he was distracting from everyone there because there were the injuries. And then Frank Saravelli says that these injuries are happening and they occurred. And we call him Dr. Saravelli after that. And Leonard adamantly, right, adamantly denies that he has any sort of injuries going on. And so it was a distraction, injuries in and out. And I think there was more going on behind the scenes as well. Um, prior to that, you had Leonard and Flurry and all that drama. That's so much drama. And I look around the NHL, I'm like, no one else has the type of drama that VGK does. And it's all manufactured by themselves. Right. But I don't believe that he'll be back. Just again, variety of reasons, the injuries. Is he going to ever play hockey again? Who knows? Is he going to become a full-time snake farmer? Who knows? Uh, <laughs> no telling No telling what he's going to be doing in the future. But I don't think he'll be here uh, with the VGK. He'll probably play somewhere else. And I just think it's a lot to handle when you bring in a Robin Leonard. Yeah, I, 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 I agree with that. Um, I, I've, I've talked to people who believe that he'll be back and I just don't, I just don't see it. I don't see it from the standpoint of Logan Thompson um, and Aiden Hill and Laurent Brassois and their goalie room, which, you know, Laurent Brassois is in Henderson 
Um, but what Logan Thompson has done this year, making the all-star game in his rookie year, technically, uh, is been, has been fantastic. And him and Aiden Hill have been holding it down. I, the, the goalie room has not been the problem for the Golden Knights. Um, what's been the problem is the inconsistency of being able to play hockey for 60 minutes at a time. They like to play 20 and 40 and 50, but they don't like to play 60. This was the problem with, um, with Gerard Gallant. It was a problem with Pete DeBoer. It's a problem with Bruce Cassidy. It's, it's a problem. So I'm just going to get, you know, I'm just going to come to the realization and, and got to come to grips with the fact that this team has a problem playing 60 minutes of hockey. Do you believe the injuries that the VGK have suffered this year uh, as opposed to last? Do you think that this year will end like last because of those injuries? I don't think it's because of the injuries. I think that it's something with the system. I think, again, you have, I think, let's just take the, the misfit line. I think they're spoiled, okay? And I think that Bill Foley himself coddles them, especially Carlson and Marcia so. And they do go whining to him each and every time they have an issue. Well, guess what? They got rid of one coach, Gallant. They got rid of DeBoer, okay? And Carlson himself says, hey, we weren't creative enough under DeBoer. And I think that was the nail in the coffin, to be quite honest. When they were cleaning out their lockers, the players coming out and saying all these things about lack of creativity, we should have done this and that. But okay, the buck stops here. If you're Bill Foley, first of all, quit talking to the players and then going back and then reprimanding coaches. Number two, that's it. It's not on the coaches, okay? Through coach number three, I think Cassidy is the man. I think he is a great coach. I think he's an exceptional motivator, but they're just not – it's just not clicking, nor are these players that will fit into a system. So he comes in, he's got a system that is pretty much based on grit and forechecking and playing hard and playing physical. That's not this squad. No, he needs to bring in players that fit his system. Now that's where they're going to be. And I'm not sure if they're going to make the playoffs. And I was going through like the Kraken in the second half of the season, they have the easiest schedule in the Pacific division. And so the Kraken I, I, towards the end, they play like Chicago, Arizona, Anaheim, Chicago, Arizona, and like, I mean, their final eight, 10 games. And then they play two games to close it out against VGK, which could determine if VGK gets into the playoffs. I'm not feeling it right now, even with a healthy roster. I just don't know. I don't have a good vibe about it. They were lucky to get off to that quick start. But then after that, they leveled off. And I think a lot of it's got to do with them. It happened under Pete DeBoer. They came out and games, even, you know, injuries notwithstanding, they still weren't motivated to play. I couldn't understand it. Mm. You have some of these big games and a chance to shine, and they just come out and they play flat hockey. It makes no sense to me. And they're so up and down. So I, I just think it's, it's not on the coach anymore. Uh, it's not on injuries uh, for a while there. The broadcast team was saying bad ice. There's bad ice in this game. <laughs> they have a different narrative every night. <laughs> the other night it was, uh, they're not calling enough penalties when they oh, lost yes. in Arizona. Yeah. Like every single game is like, get rid of all these excuses and play hockey and put some bodies in front of the net. 
that's one of the biggest issues, right? Yeah. It's yeah, just it simple hockey 101. Shoot the puck on net, get a rebound, and keep hacking away, and eventually you're going to score. They still right. shoot shots from the outside. That was a Pete DeBoer thing. Oh, it's on DeBoer. I, I kept blaming DeBoer so much. But guess what? Once in a while, they go south, and they revert back to these lazy habits. I think Jack Eichel's going to help this team if they do make it to the playoffs, and I still think he's the best player on the team by far. The uh, the misfit take uh, on uh, on getting the coaches out. I like that. That's 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 spicy. That's a spicy take. I like that. Uh, Tony Cordasco with us uh, on the Vegas Fever podcast uh, from Locked On VGK talks about the Golden Knights. With, with Chris Gollick. With Chris Gollick. I, was, I, I cannot forget about that. You guys make a fantastic team. You guys are doing uh, amazing Appreciate things. that. Um, I do enjoy your show. Um, Thank you. As, as, as many times as I can, I can hear it, uh, get to it, <laughs> I, I, I will put it on, you know, throughout the day uh, in, in my travels. Um, yeah. Chris, Chris is uh, he's a season ticket holder for both the Golden Knights and the Silver Knights, and he wow. is a hockey referee for beer leagues, and he's a passionate fan, and he's just great. And we, this year, the first time, he's gotten credentialed to go to Golden Knights games. So you see him in the wow. locker room, and then he's asking Cassidy questions, which is hilarious because he's not a media guy per se, right. but he's handled himself more than well, and he's not afraid to ask the difficult question. So I just like I've got so much respect for him. And I really do enjoy like doing our podcast every day or we wouldn't be doing it. Right. Absolutely. Absolutely true. I mean, it's, it, it, you gotta be to talk about UNLV and the golden Knights for us. You gotta be, you know, we gotta have some kind of passion because it's kind of rough at times. Um, <laughs> uh, Tony Cordasco. And the Raiders. This, yeah. And the, yeah. And the, I, mean, I, 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 I skipped the Raiders, but I'm so sorry uh, about that. Um, <laughs> Saturday sports beat. You got, uh, you do your show there. Uh, AM 1140, um, there in yeah. Vegas. Tell me, you know, before we get you out of here, uh, just got a couple minutes left. Tell us what you guys got going on. Uh, if anything at locked on BGK and the Saturday sports beat, tell us a little bit, uh, about those things and what you have there. Yeah, no, uh, again, locked on. Thanks for, I appreciate that. Thanks for letting me talk about that. Uh, just fun. Uh, we started doing this. I've been doing it for over a year. I was solo at first, brought in Chris Golick, and we have an absolute blast. And a lot of fans are catching on. And we just try to be honest and give people down the middle coverage because so many of the uh, quote reporters that are covering VGK are afraid to get their credential taken away. I don't have a credential, so I'm just going to be as honest as I possibly can. You know, with that's why I didn't want to go and cover games because they yeah. probably take it away from me blasting <laughs> the team and fully just, I mean, but not, I'm not like on that edge all the time. I try to be honest when it's good, it's good. Right. And there's a lot of good things to point out, but there's always drama with this organization. And so that's where I kind of jump in Saturday sports beat. And then also I'm going to be doing myself and uh, one of my friends, Jeff Nathanson on uh, 8 40 AM, and on KDWN, um, 7.20 a.m., we're doing a Super Bowl weekend mm -hmm. with uh, some live remotes and guests and celebrities, which is going to be a lot of fun. And so uh, look out for that coming up as well. Uh, we'll go the Friday night of Super Bowl weekend at the Virgin Hotel, Saturday and Sunday at Circa. And we've got recorded features and interviews and we'll have guests on site and all that to hopefully provide as much entertainment as we possibly can. You can find us on the Odyssey app as well. 
Tony Cordasco, thank you so much for coming on. Uh, we appreciate thank it. You. Will, will you please it's been a blast? I, I, I'm glad yeah, you had fun. Anytime. Awesome. Anytime. Thank you so uh, much. Thank you so much for listening and watching our show. Uh, also, be sure to go to Vegas Varsity uh, at Vegas Varsity on Twitter, Twitter VegasVarsity.com. And uh, we'll talk to you guys next week for me and Tony Cordasco. Everybody, have a good night. We're the leader.